The Inside Learning Podcast is brought to you by the Learnovate Center. Learnovate's research explores the power of learning to unlock human potential. Find out more about Learnovate's research on the science of learning and the future of work at learnovatecenter.org. French novelist, essayist and critic Marcel Proust once said, The only true voyage of discovery would be not to visit strange lands, but to possess others' eyes, to behold the universe through the eyes of another of a hundred others, to behold a hundred universes that each of them beholds, that each of them is. What if the key to unlocking this voyage of discovery lay with technology? In its current meaning, and made popular by the recent developments with Facebook, the metaverse generally refers to the concept of a highly immersive virtual world where people gather to socialize, play, and work. Our guest today uses highly immersive virtual worlds for positive impact. She is a clinical psychologist, CEO, and founder of Live In Their World, a company built to improve workplace culture using a modern virtual reality method to fully immerse individuals in workplace scenarios teaching diversity, equity, and inclusion. This enables open and honest conversations resulting in mutual understanding and respect among team members. Welcome to the Inside Learning Podcast brought to you by the Learnervate Centre in Trinity College Dublin. I'm your host, Aidan McCullen, and it is a great pleasure to welcome our guest today, Robin Rosenberg. Welcome to Inside Learning. Thank you so much for having me and for finding that quote. I'm going to need the reference for that. It's a very powerful quote. And it will make even more sense to why that's so powerful for audience. I will send it to you, by the way, Robin, afterwards. Great. I love the work that you do. And I use that quote specifically because of that work that you do. As I said in the introduction with the Proust quote, to behold the universe through the eyes of another is an amazing thing. But you use virtual reality and cognitive learning to drive lasting behavioral change across organizations. I'd love you to tell us about this, and then we'll dive a little bit more into the work that you do. Sure. Virtual reality is known to increase empathy. Obviously, you know, VR is a tool, uh, so it really depends on the quality of the tool, if you will. But we know that stepping into other people's shoes increases different types of empathy. There are three types of empathy. There's cognitive empathy, which is to kind of know or understand. There's emotional empathy, which is really to feel and compassionate empathy, which is to act. And ultimately we we really, the goal is to have people act in ways that are sort of helpful and respectful to others. We focus on the workplace because There's a huge cost of disrespect and incivility in the workplace, not to mention discrimination and exclusion. So what what we do is literally put you in the perspective of someone from a given demographic group and just experience situations after situation after situation of what it's like to be on the receiving end of disrespect and the effects of bias, you know, discrimination in ways that people that are subtle and people who are not from that demographic group may not realize. Let's make this very concrete. 
in our black man track, we put you in the perspective of Javante, a 35 year old black man. And I make a distinction between putting you in, in the shoes of someone else versus the feet of someone else. And this gets into the quote that you said at the top of the podcast. So when we're in the shoes of someone else, we imagine ourselves in their place. Like, how would I respond if this happened to me? So when we do role plays, which are sometimes a tool that's used in some exercises, if you will, what we're really doing is imagining us in their shoes. What VR can do, well, not all VR, but what our type of VR does is put you in their feet, <laughs> which is you're, you're actually being them. You're seeing it from their point of view. And the distinction between role play and our VR or between feet and shoes is that when you're in someone's shoes, you can only imagine to the limits of your knowledge. If I don't really know very much about what it's like to be a black man in, in the U.S., for instance, when I do a role play, I'm hampered by the limits of my knowledge. In VR, I'm not hampered by that. I'm actually being given additional information about the internal experience. It's great, Robin, and it makes so much sense. You know, it made me think about a story I know about a kid. So a wealthy businessman I know, he has a private jet and he flies people who are ill from Ireland over to the States to see the best care possible, experts in their field, etc. And one of those children he used to bring over, the kid was only two or three. And what was interesting about it was that the parents used to go over with this child, this man that I know used to fly them over. And the child had never, ever traveled in public transport on a plane before. So years later, thankfully, he got well. The experts had done their job. And one day he's going on holidays, you know, his first holiday abroad with his parents not traveling over to the States to meet these doctors. And he walks onto the plane and he turns to his mommy and daddy and he goes, Mommy, Daddy, what are all these other people doing on our plane? <laughs> right? <laughs> and I, I thought it was such a brilliant viewpoint, literally, of how the kid saw the world because he was, in a way, only experienced this privilege of getting the lift over on the private jet. And this is the problem because we are so unconscious of unconscious bias. We have no idea what it's like for somebody else. You mentioned there, because you do a couple of different tracks, black man track, black woman track, and white woman track. And for a man, I have no idea really what it's like to be a woman in the workplace. And this immersive world, I, I thought about the movie Avatar as well, actually getting inside the being and being able to experience it has such a, a profound impact. And that is how the learning sticks. That is totally how the learning sticks. However, let me say that one of the things we know about effective diversity, equity, inclusion interventions or any kind of habit, because really, to, in my mind, what we're talking about is making respectful, inclusive behavior habit, where what habit means is it's automatic. You don't have to spend a lot of mental effort thinking about it. And, and so one of the things that we need to do is have what's called distributed learning or drip learning, which is learning in small doses over time, which makes it easier to access. But what it also does is help us take the new learning and hook it into old learning. I mean, that, that is how we learn best, right? We take 
new information that's in a manageable chunk, and it literally hooks in to old learning. And then it's easier to remember. That's how when people learn chess, you know, you sort of, they can just look at a board and, and see way more than I could ever see and many, many moves ahead because with practice, it's just automatic and they've hooked, you know, every new game into an old knowledge about games. And so it's the same for humans. And so if we're trying to make a respectful work environment a habit, we have to do it in small doses. What VR does, I think, is make us motivated to do the work, right? Because it's work. It's work to and risk. I have to do something different. What should I be doing? And maybe I won't get it quite right. And I thought this was really interesting because you call it civility training. And there's a real reason for that because I see this as well, my own work, or I see it with DEI training, that there's ironically a bias towards DEI training, even the term itself, and it can be exclusionary. And I'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah. So we, we, that is, that's part of why we don't call it um, DEI training. I mean, obviously it's part of what we do. Um, but I, I actually think everyone has a story to tell, including white men. And so we actually have a white man track in development because I think there's a particularly, you know, recently there's a, a very compelling story to tell that people should just be mindful of. And DEI typically means everyone but white men, which I just don't think is helpful. Um, and it is, in fact, exclusionary. So our focus is really on the fundamental aspects of unearned respect, which you know, if I may think you have a great podcast, I may respect you, right? That's earned respect. I'm respecting you because of what you do with your podcast and how great it is. Unearned respect is respecting you because you're a person, right? I mean, it's just because, and, and really that's what we're trying to go for, that mindset of being respectful to people because, and respect means different things to different people. Right. I mean, that's the other thing. So if you have a global team and you have people from Japan, for instance, a lot of, of Japanese descent on your team, what is respectful may be very different than a team primarily made up of New Yorkers. <laughs> so civility is more than saying please and thank you. It's really being willing to be open to other people's version of respect and change your behavior accordingly. I thought about this. I don't know if, if it's well enough known by CEOs. Neurodiverse teams actually outperform non-neurodiverse teams, neurotypical teams, if you call them that. And this can be a competitive advantage for people because you get a better output when you have that civility. In We see it in, in Microsoft, for example, Satya Nadella coming in has changed the culture I think one of the things he did was he gave everybody a copy of Marshall Rosenberg's nonviolent communications to the board because the board were so uncivil towards him when he came in first and he changed the culture and he got rid of that negative culture in the company and it absolutely changed it. And now it's surpassed Apple as the world's second trillion dollar <laughs> business. Right. We spend a lot of waking hours in work mode, whether it's a hybrid or a remote or in person, and, and each of those has some, some singular issues. But um, 
when work is a drag, when we feel disrespected at work, it affects all affects all kinds of um, aspects of uh, performance, individual and team performance that cost the organization. And when we feel engaged, valued, included, you know, teams do incredibly well, as you were saying, whether it's uh, neurodiverse teams, whether it's demographically diverse, whatever the diversity element is, when people, it's regional, you know, geographical, um, inclusion actually works when it's real inclusion. But one of the other things that we know from the literature of habit formation and also about what makes for DEI programs that are effective is specific guidance, right? So if I have, if let's talk about habits, right? So if I'm, if I have a maladaptive habit, for instance, let's just say, I don't know, I approach my work in, the, in a way that leads me to be uh, procrastinate, right? I, it's not enough to say, well, that's not a great habit. You should change it. I need to know what should I change it into? What What's the new thing, right? When we, when COVID happened and we were all, well, what should I do differently, right? We need specific guidance about what we should be doing that's new. And those conversations about what should the team be doing differently? What should the working group be doing differently? What should our cross-functional unit be doing differently. The conversations themselves create trust. We learn about each other and our values. I mean, even having a discussion about how seriously to take deadlines, right? Or when should people give feedback? Should they do it in a team meeting or individually? Or should you give unsolicited feedback? Even just conversations about this to help create the guidelines, the conversations themselves create an openness and curiosity about each other and, and trust and water cooler conversation and, and really bind the team together. I've read so many articles about your work and some videos, the talks at Google that you have online is fantastic. And I, I want to come on to that fantastic study that you were the lead author for, which is virtual superheroes. I want to come to that because that is just a magnificent work. And before that, though, because you mentioned about how we we almost have to have these spacing effects with the learning over a period of time, that another thing that you've recognized is that previous research suggests voluntary participation in work, in work breaks tr- training, like DEI or civility training, yields better outcomes than mandatory participation. And because so many of us have a negative viewpoint of what learning is, maybe we've had poor experiences in school, etc. that this affects corporate learning. And corporate learning today is actually part of the job because of the speed of change that we're experiencing in society. And then all the crises we've experienced, such as the, the whole lead up to the Black Lives Matter, all this kind of stuff has a dramatic impact. And we need voluntarily voluntary participation. And this needs leadership to set up step up and actually lead from the front. One of the things we know is the difference that leaders make or can make. And that means what I call walking the walk. So when leaders support managers around inclusion, 
by regularly asking, how's it going? What can I do to help? It makes a huge difference, even, even among managers who are motivated, right? When their leadership isn't particularly supportive and interested, it just it just harder. It makes the whole experience of managing harder. So leaders can do that. Leaders can really communicate what you were just talking about, which is that sense of curiosity and openness and growth mindset. We value employees who are open to learning and who come voluntarily because they actually want the information, right? So whatever the learning is, right, that we we know that when leaders themselves have that growth mindset of, you know, I can improve, I can change and versus this is who I am, right? That's a kind of fixed mindset. Um, when leaders have the growth mindset, value that when, you know, it, it may be part of a performance review or compensation, how inclusive were you, you know, employee, how, um, how inclusive am I? How is it, what's important? you know, is that part of my comp? Um, it really makes a huge difference because it it's walking the walk and not just having a checklist of things you're supposed to say. I, I love that about the walk in the walk. And we see that in every aspect. And so many leaders were caught out during the pandemic when, you know, it's easy to be a great leader when things are going well. There's a great saying that any turkey can fly in a storm <laughs> so when when things are going well all the leaders are like we're great leaders and then when the when the certain substance hits the fan all of a sudden you really see what they're made of but one of the great things i heard robin a beautiful origin of the word sincere means without wax and what happened was in ancient times when they created marble statues for example often the sculptors would make mistakes and they'd hide huh. the mistakes with wax. And I thought about that for this lead up to, well, I need my leadership to be really on board. And I love what you said there, but the even small things like how's the training going, it's very important for the company because you need those rewards in place because the recognition and rewards for leading the training becomes so important. And the other thing I just wanted to add and get your viewpoint on was because of this period of change that we're experiencing in the world, you need L&D and HR or whoever the corporate buyer is for you at the table in the boardroom, not just as seen as a cost center in the organization, but as actually being an actual, absolutely crucial part of the business. I would agree. Uh, you know, the, the people who have the pulse, if you will, on learning, on inclusion, all of these things affect the bottom line and create, I mean, especially in this day and age with the great resignation and uh, finding, you know, really talented people, given the pace of change and people who are really willing to, you know, engage in the work, you want to create an environment where people want to work with you, you know, focusing on openness to learning openness to inclusion are critical to make people both want to join and want to stay. Absolutely. And it attracts new talent as well. I think that's the other thing because the word gets out there. And, you know, even websites like Glassdoor reveal what the real culture is like, but people talk now more than ever before. And I wanted to jump to that study, Robin, because that study you were the lead author for 
is fantastic. The virtual superheroes using superpowers in virtual reality to encourage pro-social behavior. Absolutely fantastic. And you say in that, if asked, most people will say that a superhero is a fictional character with superhuman abilities or powers, and one who uses those abilities for the common good. Some might add that superheroes wear costumes, but this is only part of the story you tell us. I'd love you to take us through the study. It's a very long story, but basically I had this idea to put people in the perspective of having a superpower, which was flight. So if you put in your hands these accelerometers, and it was literally like Superman, where if your hands were closer together, you flew faster, and you could you know, point the direction of where you fly. It was just really like uh, Christopher Reeve's version of Superman. We didn't ca call it super at all. But, but the idea was, does giving you the power of flight make you more helpful? after sort of what we say out of game, so to speak. Um, and so it, it turns out that it did, um, that there was something about, we, we think, something about being in that persona. This is a precursor to my, starting my company and live in their world. But when you put people in the perspective of, a superhero without, again, we never mentioned the word super, um, but they were what we would say primed. They were really embodying Superman and his power of flight or, or some other superhero. Um, they, they were in fact more helpful afterwards. So there's, there's something there again, that speaks to the power of putting yourself in, in people's shoes or feet. In this case, it was definitely feet because you really had the experience of what it was to, to fly over a city. That goes right back to where we started today, which is the Proust quote. It's a superpower to have this extreme empathy on all three levels that you talk about as well, Robin. Where can people find out more? Because there's so much work. You have so many resources on your site. Where can people find that? Oh, thanks. They can go to our website, which is liveintheirworld.com. They're is a ton of information all over the site. The thought leadership page is probably the most dense, but you can find out about our services. We have a Dear Robin column every month where people can submit questions anonymously about what they should do. Uh, we have our own podcast called Their World. We are on Twitter, live, and then the letter N, Their World, because that's all the characters they gave us. I'm on LinkedIn, Robin Rosenberg, psychologist, live in their world is on LinkedIn. Would love to hear from folks. And you can contact me directly on our website, contact us, you'll get to me. I've one last gift of a quote, one from my fellow Irishman, the critic and playwright, George Bernard Shaw. This is one of my favorite quotes when it comes to DEI and civility. He said, the difference between a lady and a flower girl isn't how she behaves, it is how she is treated. Oh, and wow. I think your work is doing fantastic work to make that happen across all elements of society. And I congratulate you for that. CEO and founder of Live in Their World, Robin Rosenberg, thanks for joining us on the Inside Learning Podcast brought to you by the Learnovate Centre here in Trinity College, Dublin. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, really, I really appreciate it.
Next up on Inside Learning, we are joined by technology lead with the Learnivate Center, Bilal Ahmed. Bilal, welcome to the show. Hello, Aidan. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I am really interested to hear your thoughts on what we've just heard, given your area of expertise is at the intersection of software engineering and human-computer interaction. Robin spoke about using immersive technologies to get into someone else's skin, and I would be delighted to hear about how you see the connection to this, to your work in the Learnivate Center. Keeping in line with the spirit of the podcast, I will begin with the quote, which became our core philosophy whilst doing research and development in the immersive technologies for learning domain here at Learnovate. So the quote is from Einstein who says, learning is experience, everything else is just information. And to be honest, experience is the only way through which someone can put their fit in something completely. And as Robin highlighted earlier, immersive learning technologies for example, virtual reality can help us achieve this effectively. And by the way, I will also look forward to the quote referred initially. It's a great quote. I'm going to definitely use that going forward, Bilala. And how does that link then to your work in Learnovate? So during the last year, we have done a considerable amount of research and development work in the immersive learning technologies domain. Along with the factors mentioned earlier by Robin, we also looked at the history, evolution, and a whole spectrum of immersive technologies from 360-degree panoramic images and videos to a completely virtual reality setting. We also wanted to understand which one of these to choose in a specific context. Now, when we were looking at in, into those studies, they revealed that in the context of learning something new or training employees, the level of knowledge retention which is the key, is more or less similar for both a low fidelity and a high fidelity immersive experience, which can also help us to save a lot of costs. This led us to develop a 360-degree panorama-based platform for training health and safety professionals called iWorkSafe. Now, the interesting part of this platform is that learners are immersed in their actual working environment for example, a warehouse, rather than borrowing deck of PowerPoint slides <laughs> or following an article on a typical LMS. Now, these 360-degree scenarios are interactive and realistic with sounds of alarms and fire. We have also added some gamification elements, and the learners are rewarded with certificates, which can be a motivating factor for them. And I really liked when Robin mentioned the idea of dripped learning that is learning in small doses of over time, which is exactly what the iWorkSafe platform is doing. It is self-paced and the learners can take existing learning and hook into new learning, which can be confirmed through our iWorkSafe's module of reflection. With all the offerings of immersive technology, which makes the learning stick. And last but not the least, all with a fractional amount uh, of a high fidelity experience. Yeah, I was thinking about that. The cost must be so much less, Bilal, because you don't have to stage these experiences. If you think about that in the past, maybe you have to go to the warehouse, get everybody there, the cost of transport, etc. And then, of course, there's the the nervousness of people. It's it's fascinating, and and actually the the uses of that iWorkspace can be reskinned and used in so many different environments. 
speaking of reskinning environments, it made me think of what we've seen recently with Facebook rebranding themselves as Meta and the huge emphasis that's put on the metaverse. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that shift and what you see going forward. Firstly, the platform can be adopted to any kind of environment. So at the moment, we just demonstrated its effectiveness for the health and safety critical context, but there is no limit to the possibilities of that. Now, the second thing is about the buzzword, which we are listing since last month, I think, Metaverse. So I think in terms of the horizon and beyond, only sky is the limit for immersive learning technologies, especially in the age of metaverse. Interestingly, after the pandem pandemic, immersive simulation is the fastest growing new digital option in corporate learning. A recent study with corporate L&D professionals also revealed that 32% increase in adoption of this type of solution, which is much higher in comparison with the high fidelity uh, VR and AR based training that is only 10%. And finally, I would like to say that with all these benefits and widespread adoption of immersive learning technologies, society in general will have to be mindful of issues like privacy, user addiction, and concerns across every domain of life. I thought about that actually, Bilal, when you look at perhaps people seeing that artificial intelligence is taking jobs and jobs are being automated out, all these new roles are being created from the shifts we're seeing in technology and the shifts that you're at the coalface of. And I thought people would be really interested, Bilal, to hear more about the iWorks Safe platform that you mentioned and perhaps how they might be able to get involved. Where can they find out more about that and the reports that you provide, etc.? Our reports and even the videos of the demo are already available on our Member Connect site which can be accessed through www.learnoversecenter.org. And also we will be shortly putting our platform online for anybody so that we can explore further on how we can take it from there. And that's it for another episode of Inside Learning brought to you by the Learnovate Center in Trinity College, Dublin. I'd like to thank our guest technology lead with the Learnovate Center, Bilal Ahmed. And thanks to you too, our audience for joining us. And until next time, take care. Inside Learning is brought to you by the Learnovate Centre in Trinity College, Dublin. Learnovate is funded by Enterprise Ireland and IDA Ireland. Visit learnovatecentre.org to find out more about our research on the science of learning and the future of work.